All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23 today. We added a verse um, in a series called Draw Near. So uh, with our Mount Laurel campus, we're walking through a prayer series. This is week two, so we began this last week, two more weeks to follow, um, looking at a passage in Hebrews in which the author describes what it looks like to come to God, to approach God. We're going to read these verses today, Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 23, and then look at a number of scriptures um, that I believe will help us understand uh, a little bit more about prayer. All right, this is Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 23, and it says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh... And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Um, So so here's the deal. just want to just want to be as candid as I possibly can. Pretty hard to approach uh, a topic of prayer um, and do it in four weeks. Okay, it's it's, it's challenging. Um, but last week I, I think we worked really hard to get to the place where we said, "Look, it's obvious that the writer of Hebrews shows us that what prayer is is drawing near. It is coming near to God." Is coming close to Him, and the picture that we have is that Jesus. In his death, and then also burial and resurrection, in his life, in that resurrection life, we are now open to draw near to the Father. The sin that has separated us has been taken on by Christ, and we can truly come to God. And then he continues by saying, let's hold fast this confession, and let's do it in such a way where we don't waver, Because he who promised is faithful. That's really the practical way of prayer. And we're going to see that today. But here's the thing. What we established with the previous verses is that there's a posture that we're to take in prayer. And it can be a reverent one. But it can't be one in which we don't approach God boldly. It can't be one in which we, we don't have confidence because he's opened the way up to communicate to him, to pray to him, to talk to him because of what Jesus has done. We can come directly to him. So today, here's what we're going to look at. Three very specific things um, and then and some practicalities uh, about those things, but um, three very specific things about why we pray. Why we pray. And that might sound really simple on the surface. Well, I know why I pray. But why do we pray? Truly, why do we pray? And what does that enable us to experience about the very heart of God in doing it? Um, we're going to come back to verse 23 in just a moment uh, as a result of understanding why we pray. All right, here's the first thing. First reason why we pray. And this is paramount. Because God has first spoken to us. 
Hear this and don't miss this. The reason that you pray, even that reason that that you pray innately when you're in that moment of pain or struggle or fear or need or of deep want, the reason that that you even, prayer kind of leaps out at you and you start asking God and you start addressing God in ways you haven't ever before is truly because God has spoken to you first. What does that mean? We looked a couple of weeks ago on, on our Sanctity of Life Sunday about the, the relationship that God has with people. And when we look back into Genesis 1, the very beginning of Scripture, this is what we find. In Genesis 1, verses 21 and 22, God creates birds of the air. He creates, he creates beings for the sea. And if you look at the language there, what you see is this, that God blessed them. God creates these beings and he blesses them. And then once you look down into Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28, and this is one of the most richly full and important scriptures that we have. This is God saying, let us make man in our likeness. So even from the beginning, we get the understanding of God as Trinity. And he creates man, he blesses man, and then there's this extra thing that we see happen. It says, and he spoke to them. And he spoke to them. From the very beginning, God has addressed us first. God has spoken to us first. So prayer is truly a response to what God has already done. We get the picture that God has created us for relationship with him. This is why we have the opportunity, the freedom, the ability, and not just those things, but the confidence now to actually draw near to God because he is not a distant being or some sort of supreme celestial thing that is out there that we're trying to pray to and some sort of just we're going to hurl this thing out there and hope it sticks. No, it is God who calls us to draw near to him. Why? Specifically because he created us to do that. He created us for relationship with him. But I don't think you and I do this or understand that in such a way where we're constantly of the mind that it's God and his graciousness and his goodness and his faithfulness that we sung about this morning, that he spoke to us first. And here's what I mean. We often pray as if we're initiating conversation with God. As if we're talking to him and we've got to literally call him, right? And he's got to pick up. That, that's, the, that's the way often we formulate our, our prayers. Look, I'm guilty of this too. We reach out to God in hopes that he'll answer. That, that he would hear us. That he would pick up the phone. It's almost as if we're trying to wake up God to our needs. To, to, to wake him up from sleep. The psalmist knew this. Um, we're going to look at Psalm 121, 1 to 4. Psalm 121, 1 to 4, and it says this. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Okay, we understand that the help comes from God, but then look at this. This is the way in which he helps us. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So what does this passage mean? What's it articulating? I think it's a really beautiful picture of of how often we exist in a generic sense or in a consistent, practical sense in our relationship to God. We know that God's creator, provider. We can confidently sing this morning that that the things that he's promised are true, that the things that he gives us are good. And yet often in prayer, you and I think we have to get God's attention, to wake him up to our reality. When in fact, prayer is us responding to the God of all creation who has made reality possible. Why do we pray? We pray because we are responding to God. Um, I saw this thing this week, and I, I had like a pretty hard existential moment for me. This is going to sound like it doesn't matter at all, and it really kind of doesn't. Um, but I saw this thing on the Internet, and I can't tell if it's like a tweet or a meme. Uh, I think I'm getting worse at understanding the Internet, which I think I, is actually like a sign of maturity maybe. Um, uh, but I saw this thing on the Internet that said, um, it's this person, and, and they're asking the blessing at, over dinner. But they ask this question. They say, hey, am I supposed to pray for leftovers? This has been prayed over. So he says, all right, God, it's, it's, it's me with the same spaghetti again. Um, and it's funny, but it's really true. That, 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 that silly notion is so true of us. It's just as if we're calling out to this God who isn't fully aware of who we are. And in prayer, I have the opportunity not to surely let him respond to me, but to respond to what he has done. Uh, this is Eugene Peterson uh, on prayer, and this is what he said. Prayer is never the first word. It's always the second word. God has the first word. Prayer is answering speech. It's not primarily address. It is, in fact, response. And in that, we come to understand that prayer is not just asking for things that we want. Why do we pray? We pray because we're responding to God. And if that's true, then prayer is ultimately about asking God to do everything that he's already promised to do. This is what prayer is. You can take your copy of God's word today and you can look through, you can look through, you look through Exodus, look through Lamentations that we read this morning. Look through the wisdom literature. Look through the historical pictures of Scripture. And you're going to see people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament pray prayers in which they're asking God to do what he's promised he would do. That's what prayer is. It's not surely just a wish list of the things that I want. Prayer is ultimately asking God to do that which he said he will do. When we walked through Ezra and Nehemiah, there was this one key portion. It actually happens in both of those books. Um, But but in Nehemiah 9 specifically, there's this deep prayer for repentance. And Nehemiah asks for, for, he repents to the Lord on behalf of the people. And he gives this long list of everything that God has done. He starts with, quite truly, what we talked about in Genesis 1 this morning. This this passage where he says, look, God, I know that you've created everything. Everything that exists. You've created it. 
You drew us to yourself. You, you selected, you chose, you called out Abraham. Brought him out of Ur, the Chaldeans, and brought him to grow Israel, to be a people for you. And we've strayed and we've wandered, and yet we know that you long to be merciful. That you long to be compassionate. That you are slow to anger. Why does he do this? Why does he pray these things? Not only that he already knows, but that he knows that God knows because God did it in the first place. Why is that? Because in prayer, primarily, we're asking God to do what he said he will do. To come through on his promises. To fulfill who he says he is. Because everything that prayer is, is a response to God himself. Prayer is a response. It is the second word to what God has already done. Uh, So the first thing is this. Why do we pray? Um, Because God has first spoken to us. Here's the second thing. Uh, We pray because God is with us. We pray because God is with us. We hear that, and I think mentally, like, we can assent to that on some level. Oh, I, I get it. Like, God's, oh, yeah, God's kind of with me. It's like, he's, he's with me. No, no, no. This is not some, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a feeling of or an essence of that perhaps, you know, I don't feel as alone. No, this is, this is the reality that Scripture gives us. We pray not because God is far away. We pray because he's near. This is why he calls us to draw near. Because that is possible in Christ. We can draw near to God because God is with us. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, the famous theologian um, and writer before, was just a writer. Um, And there's this incredible story about um, his conversion and, and how it was this, this dramatic thing uh, in the landscape and the life and the history of literature and, and the modern world in England at that point. And, and this guy, here's a, this, is a, this, is, this is like the Harry Potter of the day, all right? He's, a, he's an English guy, and it's a big deal. Um, G.K. Chesterton comes to faith in Christ, and this reporter, this newspaper reporter, comes up to him, and says to him, hey, I, I heard you, you recently were converted to Christianity. I heard that you trusted Christ. And he said, yeah. And he said, do you mind if I ask you a question? And he said, certainly. And I want to read this to try to get it pretty accurate. Um, this is what the reporter asked him. He said, if the risen Christ suddenly appeared at this very moment and stood behind you, what would you do? If the risen Christ appeared at this moment and stood behind you, what would you do? And this is Chesterton's response. He is. He is. Not that he had, and not that he will, but that he is. That Christ is present in the Holy Spirit. It is the very Spirit of Christ that indwelled him as a believer, and he recognized That God is truly with him. If that is the case, then we pray not because God is distant, but because he's near. 
We pray because God is with us. This is Matthew 6 and verse 9. Um, this is going to be very familiar to you. This is the beginning of, I think we have Matthew 6, 9. Uh, if not, I'll just grab it over here. Um, but this is the beginning of the Lord's Prayer in uh, Matthew's account. This is on the Sermon of the Mount. Um, Matthew 6, 9, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and this is what he says. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Now, we could spend hours on the revolutionary way in which Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and why our Father is so powerful, so meaningful, so deep, so countercultural, so revolutionary in this moment. But this will suffice for us today. It's relationship. He teaches the disciples to pray, Our Father. Because God is with us. This is Matthew 28, 20, which I believe we do have. And it says this, um, Matthew 28, 20. You guys understand uh, the ramification Jesus is ascending. Uh, and before he says this, teaching them, his disciples, to observe all that I've commanded you. This is coming on the heels of the Great Commission. And he says this, this is the last thing. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do we think that? Do we know that? I'm going to ask it in this way. Do we believe that? That God is with us. That our Father hears us. That, that Christ who sits at his right hand is near us. That his spirit lives in us. And then look at this passage in Colossians 3, which gives even deeper mystery to the understanding of our very real closeness to God. Paul writes, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, those who've trusted in Jesus, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, so we, we've got a location we can, we can ultimately track and understand this is where Jesus is. And then Paul writes, and he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So this is the mystery and the beauty of our faith. It's not just that I'm in Christ where he is, but Christ is in me by his spirit. How can I not be near to God? This is why we would pray, because God it's not only spoken to us, but he is with us. And the third thing, why do we pray? Because we are utterly dependent on God in every single way. I can hear it palpably and sense it and feel it when, when we're in this room and we're singing, I depend on you, like we did this morning. When we look in recognition of the daily bread, and, and, and you and I are drawn to think, and it might not actually be physical bread, Our low-carb people, right? But there are ways, there are things, there, there are provisions that God has given you 
And you see those words on that screen, and you hear that melody, and you recognize that all the good things that you have, they come from the Lord. They come from the Lord. So, how do we know we're dependent on God? One, we just read that Christ truly is our life. Not a picture of, or not sheerly the reward for, but he is our very life. Your life is bound up in his resurrection life. It is who you are. And look at this. This is James chapter 1 and verse 17. We referenced this earlier. Every good, and every, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So here is the picture that we're given of this God. He loves us so deeply. His character is so trustworthy and true that he does not change in any way. And so every good and perfect thing comes directly from him. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're given instructions to pray, and it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But in everything by prayer, we're able to make our request known because God is the giver of all things. And this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every blessing. Not some blessings for me. Every blessing. Everything that we have comes from God. So why do we pray? We know we have the freedom to pray. We know the writer of Hebrews that God, by his spirit, writes these words for us to understand that we can truly draw near, that we have all access, that we actually have authority to go and speak to the living God through what Christ has done for us, how he has made this great exchange and taken our place. And if we come to an understanding that this is why we pray, we pray because God has first spoken to us. He's addressed us. So all of our prayer is a response to him. If we can admit and assent to the fact that, that we pray truly because God is with us. He is actually with us, in us, by his spirit. And that we should pray because everything that we are is dependent wholly on who he is then what does that prayer look like? Here's what it looks like. Um, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So in drawing near, that's, that's, the, that's the, the directive that we're given. That these believers that you and I are called to draw near to God... That's the first directive we're given in this passage. The second one is this, to hold fast the confession of our hope and do it in such a way where we don't waver because God is faithful to keep his promises. So 
to wrap it all up, here's the application component of take all these reasons, this understanding of why we would pray. We pray because we're responding to God because he's spoken to us. We pray because God is truly with us. We pray because we are utterly dependent on him in every single way. Here's how that fleshes out in your life this week. Here's how it looks for you today. All right? You just pray. You pray. But you do it in the pattern and the way that we've seen the Nehemiahs, the Ezras, the Moses, the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Pauls, the Timothys, and most importantly, Jesus. To pray the very promises of God. In holding fast the confession of hope, here's what we're doing. We are praying the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we hold fast that confession, it's not something that we hold as a confession that we just show everyone else. This is a confession before God himself in prayer. We're confessing our hope. So in the same way that Nehemiah could pray to God and say, God, I know that you've created every living thing. And I know that you made us family, that you, that you drew us together, and that came through the life of Abraham, and you, you founding and creating your people, the very people of God in Israel. And I know that our path has been broken and that we've wandered and we need to repent of our sins. But I know that you're merciful. And I know that you're slow to anger. We pray the truth of the scriptures. You know what that confession of hope is? It's the gospel. Here's what prayer looks like. Go to God. And remember the gospel. Really. It might, like, look, like, hey, you might say, hey, I've heard a lot of people say I need to share my faith with others, but like going to God to share my faith with him might sound strange. But here's what's happening in this moment when you hold fast to this confession of hope. God is going to turn you into this person that is becoming more and more like Christ who does not waver because you're continually seeing his faithfulness. When we pray, we come to the place of understanding that God is changing us. We're not changing him. This God who does not change, the one in whom there is no turning, we go to pray to him. We go and genuinely confess that we remember, that we see, that we know what he's done for us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And you and I are changed. We're transformed. We're holding fast. We're clinging to. We're consistently praying to God the confession of that which really is hope. What is hope? It is not wishful thinking. This word means Confident expectation. 
Do you know why that expectation is confident? Because that person, that person who prays, this writer of Hebrews can write this in such a way. He's about to list in chapter 11 this, this hall of faith, all of these incredible people who trusted God and the faith that they had. Why is that possible? How can they get to that place? How do you pray this way? You start by acknowledging that God has been faithful. You pray in recognition of what he's done. So this morning, as our team comes and we begin to close, we come to the place where we can truly draw near and not just know that we should. All right, like, look at me. Eyes up here. I want, I like, I want to see your eyes. Like, of course we should pray, Okay. But we use this language with one another. You know, I should do it more. I I should do this more. You know what we should do is understand why we would do it. Because if we understood why we would pray and what God has done for us, we wouldn't be able to help it. We would pray consistently and deeply and fervently. We would pray in this way. We would hold fast what we believe That Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We would believe these things. And as a result, we couldn't help but go to God in prayer of adoration, thanksgiving, confession, bringing every request, every ask, every need that we have to him. And I think for most of us, we're probably still wrestling with verses 19 through 22. Like, can I really draw near to God? You might even look and say, like, hey, you don't know what my, my life's been like. You don't know what my week's been like. You don't know what my morning's been like. I don't know if you, like, I'm not really someone who can draw near to God. The truth of scripture says that Christ has created a new and living way. That God's created a new and living way through his son. And his flesh is the veil. So you now have full access to God. You have full access to God. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. If you've trusted in Christ, you can approach him. And that's not this like approach where you kind of are tiptoeing in to the Holy of Holies, okay? And this isn't just like the kind of, you know, kicking dust, casual stroll. Like, you can run. You can bust down the door of heaven. You can speak to God. Let's do that this week. Look, we're going to talk in the next couple of weeks just real practicalities, okay? How we pray. What's the way we pray? We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look and really explore, I hope, with some, some, some theological truth and detail the implications of how we pray. But before we get to that place, you need to know that you can. I need to know that I can go to God. And not just that I can, but why? Why would I run? Why would I go bust down the door to talk to my father? Why would I do that? 
because he did it for us first. That's why. We're going to pray because God has first spoken to us. So when we sing songs like, your goodness is running after me, like you need to understand that's scriptural, that's not sentimental. So in Psalm 23, when David cries out and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, when we read this passage of struggle and perseverance, you see the end of that passage, it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy are not personified in some sort of uh, literature way. It's Jesus. He's done this for you so that you can come near to God. That's why we pray. And that's where we see the goodness. So I'm just going to urge you this morning, I, I don't know what your prayer life is like, and you might feel quite truly, and I don't think you ever get over this probably, but you, because I, I'm not over it. You might not feel like you're good at prayer, that you excel at what to say or how to say it. But I know you can do this. You can draw near to God because of what Christ has done for you, and you can go to him and tell him what's on your heart, even just right where you are. And start with this recognize what he's done and in those moments you and I are going to enter into the opportunity to see God from this moment on change us and help us to understand the power of drawing here so if you will pray with me as we plan to respond Heavenly Father God would you make us a people that holds fast to this confession that our hope is in Jesus got a sure, a firm foundation. Father, we know that you will not let us down. God, would you make us a people who in an unwavering way trust you, Father, and calls out to you, Father, not just because we should do it, but because you've called out to us. Father, we love you because you first loved us. Would you help us understand that and would you use that as as and exhortation and motivation for us to come to you in prayer. Not because we should, but because your goodness has come after us. Jesus. Father, because you're with us, even now, by your Holy Spirit. Father, would you cause us to pray because you are not distant, Father, would you cause us to pray because we're dependent on you in every way. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. We're going to sing and respond together. Um, Look, you may sing, you may sit, you may stand. Um, You may want to take these moments and just pray. I mean, and just truly close your eyes and pray. Um, You might want to grab somebody around you and pray with them. You have freedom to respond. As we sing, if you have a desire to be prayed with, if you'd like to pray with me, or if you are having questions about all of this stuff that we talked about this morning, and you just want to know this God and be able to draw near to Him, and to repent of sin, and to trust in Him, 